right, everybody. Somebody say God is good because he is good all the time. We are continuing our series called Be the One, uh, thinking about those 10 lepers in Luke 17 that were healed, but one came back to say thank you, and we want to be the one who is filled with gratitude, not only in this month, not only on Thanksgiving Day, but 365 and a quarter days, we want to be grateful. And uh, we're going to open up our Bibles uh, to a passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4, however you want to open your Bible uh, to that passage. And we're going to look at uh, words that are written to us by the Apostle Paul as he writes to us and writes to his friends in the Philippi church from prison. He was in prison simply because he was telling people about Jesus and that made some people angry. So they threw him in prison. And he writes this thank you, and it's a thanks to his friends in Philippi because when you were in prison in Paul's day, it wasn't like today where taxes paid and provided for the prisoners. You needed friends who were on the outside to send you provisions, literally to send you food or you didn't eat. And so Paul was in prison. He was there for a very lengthy time. And these friends in Philippi heard about it and said, let's do something. Let's give. And even though they didn't have very much, they didn't have like a lot of extra resource, they shared what they had with Paul and Paul writes to them this letter of thanks and, and teaching and instruction inspired by the Holy Spirit. And throughout the whole book, he is filled with joy. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The joy that comes from generosity because I would like your house to have more joy. I, I would like God's house to have more joy. Uh, and that comes as we learn uh, from these incredible truths and principles that Paul writes to us, and as he thanks them for their generosity, and as Paul has lived a very generous life himself. Paul was, in all of his ministry, generously giving to others. And the happiest, most joyful people on the planet are people that have learned the secret of generosity. So that's what we're going to talk about from this passage. And we're going to look at some important truths that will really be a blessing in your life. Um, the first truth is this, as we talk about giving. And that is that giving restores, refreshes, revives... How do I revise? Don't call out letters. I'll just do that. This is the more important one. Revives our love. And the reason that's important is because anyone that's in a loving relationship with anyone, is anyone in a loving relationship with anyone? Right, just making sure I got some lovers in the house that all of us that love know that love ebbs and flows. That there are people that used to be in your life that you had loving relationships with that for whatever reason, maybe something that you have done, 
or said or something they've done or said or just the course of life. And there used to be a loving relationship, but today you don't even know where they are because love ebbs and flows. Anyone that's in a marriage relationship knows that love ebbs and flows, and it takes work to keep love refreshed and renewed, even spiritually. Jesus writes to the church and says, you need to be diligent to keep your first love, that excitement, that wedding day kind of love. Work at that. And he says, work at keeping that spiritually because love needs to be restored. Love is like a, love is like a fireplace. First of all, love needs a good safe place to burn brightly. That's a whole other teaching. It needs fuel. needs oxygen. And if you've ever built a fire in a fireplace or at a campfire, it needs to be tended or it dies down and it dies down and it'll eventually go out. So Paul writes this truth. Watch in verse 10 and see what he writes to his generous friends. He says, but I rejoice, there's the joy, over 10 times the word joy or a derivative of joy is there, here's one of them. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care, and that Greek word for care is a, it's a difficult word to translate into the English language. It means um, to cognitively be aware, the, the, the thinking part, of our beings, and to um, deeply, viscerally have feelings. It's your thoughts and your emotions combined. Some translators translate it compassion, some concern, some love. It's the way you think and feel. And he says, the way you think and feel about me or the way you care for me has, watch this, flourished again. What does that mean? That means it used to be strong, it used to flow, then it ebbed, and now it's been revived. Some people actually translate, your care, your concern, your love for me has been revived again. Though you surely did care, but you didn't, you didn't take the opportunity. It's you now being generous that has revived and refreshed your love. There is a, a cycle that can damage a relationship, damage an organization, damage people's feelings when they used to be very caring, thinking, and feeling deeply, but then one day they go, you know, I don't, I don't feel the same about you. I don't look at you the same way. Therefore, I'm going to give less to the relationship. And when they give less to the re relationship, lo and behold, they feel less. And they think less. So they go, I am falling out of love. So they give less. And when they give less, they feel even less. It's a negative downward cycle. And here's what generosity does. Generosity and giving steps into that equation and says, even though I'm not caring too much, I'm going to nurture, revive, refresh my love for you by choosing to be generous, by choosing to give, and lo and behold, when you give, it revives love. Could I get a witness in the house? That's what happens. 
Try it. Go home today and try it out. Be generous and, and give, and you'll see, wow, that really works. But it helps in, it helps in all of our relationships. Giving restores care or love or concern or compassion. The second thing is, and this is a really great truth for us to learn, is that giving teaches us and we can learn contentment. How many of you could do with some contentment? Peace. Peace. Your generosity has to do with your peace level. Paul is writing from prison where he could be very upset. Let me just say it like this. Life had not been kind to Paul. He had been going around telling people about the kingdom of God and telling them about Jesus. And for that, he was thrown in prison. He could have been in prison saying, God, where are you? I was doing good things and something bad happened to me. And he could have been really upset. But he wasn't. He describes how he is in prison with this powerful truth in verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned. <laughs> he learned this, and, and it's something you can learn. Nudge your neighbor, say, you can learn this. You, you can learn. This is something you can learn. If you're not content right now, you can learn. He says, I've learned how to be content no matter what is happening around me, no matter what state I am in, even in the state of Florida. Well, maybe a little easier to be content here than some of the other states. Well, I guess it's your point of view. Some people are always thinking, if I move to another state, I'll find contentment. And that, that some of them moved here. I'll be content when I get to Florida. And they discovered the truth that wherever you go, there you are. I would just say, whatever state you're in, be generous. Give. Paul was a giver all of his ministry, and he'd learned. You see, we live in North America where we're always trying to find contentment through getting more stuff. They never define what the more is. They just say more, more than you have right now. Whatever you have right now, get more and you'll be content. Paul says something exactly the opposite. He says in verse 12, I know how it is to be a base, to have a little, or to abound to have a lot. He had both of those experiences in his life. He had a lot and he had a little. Uh, everywhere and in all things, I've learned how to be full. There were times that his tummy was full and there were times it was empty and he was hungry both to abound and to suffer need. He says, no matter what is going on out there, I've learned to be content in here because contentment doesn't come from having and acquiring more. Contentment comes by knowing this truth. Get this truth. Right now, wherever you are in your life, with whatever level you're at, no matter where you are, you have more than enough right now. That's contentment. That's contentment. And isn't that what we do when we give? Absolutely. What we give is no matter what level we're at, we reach into our resources and say, 
I have more than enough, therefore I can give. That's what it is. It's a statement of life. In fact, when you give, don't give willy-nilly. That's a Greek word. Give with intentionality. Learn this truth, that when you give, whether you give online, just before you hit the button, or you text just before you hit the button, or you give just by envelope before you put the envelope in, just make a declaration as you give that follows along and says, I declare I have more than enough. Just intentionally. I like to add a little bit to it as well. I like to say, I have more than enough and better is coming. Just intentionally. So I'm actually lining my faith up with my moment of giving. That would be a, just a great declaration for us to declare. Wherever, whatever state, there are people in all different kinds of states in this room. But we can declare together, let's say it, I have more than enough. And better is on the way. That's intentionality. That's what he's teaching. I've learned to be content whether I've got a lot or a little. Whether I'm moving forward. Because he makes this important principle and truth, that when we are generous, we are actually going to find our lives growing stronger and stronger. Some of you um, that have been around church more than a week or two have heard this verse. Um, I can do all things through Christ strengthens me. You heard that verse before? Let, let's, say it, let's say it together. It comes up. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a, that's a and just get where the, that verse is placed in the Bible. It's placed inside a passage about generosity and giving. Because the truth is, generosity actually strengthens you. I love this verse. I pray this verse almost every day of my life. I call it my ten-finger prayer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My ten-finger prayer. And the truth is that generosity actually strengthens our soul. Uh, it's why that even other cultures understand generosity is important. The ancient Chinese proverb says, when you give to others, you will always have enough. I know that's an ancient Chinese proverb because I found it in a cookie. <laughs> Not really, but I read it in a book. Or in business. Business people know this. Uh, Ken Blanchard, who has written many, many best-selling business books, including The One-Minute Manager and others, has written, the more I give, the more that comes back to me. There's a, a law here. And as we give out, we are strengthened in our own soul in many different ways. Uh, the university uh, that's in New York called Stony Brook has done research, and they've written and published their research on generosity and giving, and they, they have what is called the giver's glow. I'm just looking around to see who's glowing 
The givers glow. They say it literally, generosity from a secular university, generosity creates the giver's glow. It literally triggers brain chemistry that makes people happier. I'm looking for the smiling people just to see. They said it has to be heartfelt. The generosity has to be heartfelt. It can't be grudging. And I, I'll say here, if you ever feel like someone's twisting your arm, hold back. Because there's no blessing in that kind of giving. And that's, that's true. The university even says it. I was glad they lined up with my research. It has to be heartfelt. It has to be genuine. And it has to be significant. It, you have to feel it's significant. It's whatever that is for you. Whatever level of giving that is. It has to be significant. And when that happens, it triggers brain chemistry inside of us. Did you know this? Scientifically, generous people live longer. Less stress, more blessed. They have uh, friendships that are deeper. They sleep better. Who knew? And they're able to handle life's obstacles. Better. That's what Stony Brook University says. Dr. Post, who conducted this survey, says, on a scale of 1 to 10, and a 10 is like a very powerful medicine, like insulin. Insulin is a game changer for people. He said, if insulin is a number 10, then this stuff, or generosity, is around a 7 or an 8. That's how important it is to physical, emotional well-being. And he says, and I love this line, the amazing thing is you don't need to go to a drugstore to get it. You could, you could get it before you leave. You could practice generosity before you leave this place. You don't even have to go to CVS. Right here. So they report what the Scripture says. That Christ strengthens us. And because of his strength, that's why we can do all things. And that flows in a generous soul. Giving generosity makes us stronger. And the fourth thing is it just increases the blessings of our lives. There are just more blessings. Paul writes to us and he says, um, not that I seek the gift, but I know this truth. I'm seeking, as I encourage you to be generous, same thing I would say to you, I'm seeking that the fruit that abounds will abound in your account. He's talking about an accounting system. Jesus talked about it when he said, don't lay up here on the planet where rust and moth destroy, but lay up in heaven. It's an accounting system. We read from uh, James last week where our giving actually has eternal consequences. Now, I, I don't know your account. That's between you and God. But I think from time to time, it's good for us to pause and to think about our account. How is it doing? How is our, my generosity doing? Darla and I have um, specific giving goals that we're working towards. 
and we're on track for because we want a strong account. And I want you to have a strong account. That's what Paul says. Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm, I, have, uh, I am full, having received from Epaphrodites. That was the person, the individual that brought the gift from the church at Philippi to Paul. And I've received the sweet things, the things that you have sent me. And then he reaches into the Hebrew scriptures. And he says, the gift you give is actually like an offering. And he calls it a sweet-smelling aroma or a sweet-savor offering that arises to God. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, they brought an offering and they sacrificed it. And a sweet-savor offering was only for God's benefit. It was like a worship to God. And our generosity is like a worship to God. And a sweet-smelling uh, savor offering was one that God would just smile on. It just was for God's delight. And when we are generous and when we give, he says, that when you, you put your money in here, somehow it becomes like a sweet savor offering that arises and just brings a smile to God's face. And that's good. So I just encourage um, you to be planned in your giving, to have, be purposeful in your generosity. First of all, I encourage you to be planned in your whole financial world. We have Financial Peace University that we offer here. I'd like everyone to take it. Our staff has all done it because it helps you to be planned in your financial world rather than be willy-nilly. That's a Greek word. So, so there's way too many people that are willy-nilly in their finances. And be planned. And part of that is... The plan of generosity. Um, recently, a uh, organization surveyed top top denominations, five top denominations, and they found that people that were intentional in their giving, intentional in their tithing, setting aside a portion, uh, on average gave um, four thousand forty-two dollars. That was the average gift. Now, people that just gave by impulse or by what they felt in the moment gave about less than half, $1,882, $1,882 they gave, about half. Because intentional giving is always greater giving. And the truth is that greater giving brings greater blessing. And that's why we need to teach this, because the survey found that 75% of the funding that came into those top five denomination churches 75% came from 25% of the people. And when you read that, you go, wow. What kind of church would be in America if that 25% became 50%? Or if it became 75%? Or if it became 95%? What happens if 100%? I'll tell you. When there was an incident like California, where there's a great, great need, the church would be so funded, it would be there the next day taking care of everything. We just show up. And people say, where's that? Oh, well, we're just fully funded. We're just waiting for an opportunity. When the panhandle, they're, gonna, they're planning for months, if the church was fully funded, it would be weeks. Church would show up. Okay, everything's okay. And the world would go, wow. Maybe the church is not so irrelevant Maybe it has relevancy in our culture and our society. And rather than cursing the dark, we would light a bright candle of light and righteousness in our generation.
That's what would happen. And, and, everybody say and. Well, and is actually the first word of our closing scripture. And you, you've probably been around church a little while. You probably know this one. All right. You know this one? You know it? Okay, let, let's, let's do it together, okay? This is a very great script, but get it. And how, it starts with, and, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches that are in glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, somebody say Amen. Notice that that starts with and because it's connected to all these truths. Generosity. And all our needs would be met according to the riches that come in Christ Jesus. So we teach you this, and each year we consider, what's my generosity? How am I doing? I think that's a good inventory to take in our lives to uh, examine our faith level, press our faith level, and just decide, I am going to be a generous person. I received many emails just while we've been in this series called Be the One, because we want you to be the one that chooses to give thanks. This email came in and said, Dear Pastor Scott, I want to thank you for encouraging me to be a generous Christian. This teaching has blessed my life more than I could express. I began by giving a regular weekly amount. It wasn't a tithe, but I had never done that before. It wasn't long until I was tithing, and I felt so good about being able to be part of something that was bigger than myself. Two years ago, I made my first faith promise. With God's help, I've been giving offerings, and it's amazing that I'm in better shape financially than I've ever been in my life. But it's not just financial blessing. It's God's provision in all areas of my life, physically, spiritually, socially, relationally, etc., etc., etc. And the message of giving has literally changed my world. I want to thank you for sharing this important subject with me. Changes life. This stronger... And so the reason for our generosity is because as we study the life of Jesus, which we're all about, we find Jesus incredibly generous. And we want to be more and more like Jesus is. God so loved you that what did he do? He gave his only son. His son came to this planet, absorbed all your sin, took all your negative, all the negative stuff he took, and in exchange, gives you eternal life. That's generous. And so as we're people of Jesus, we want to live in that generosity and we want to offer that generosity to this generation. If you're here in this church, we want to offer that generosity to you that you don't have to give one cent in order for that exchange to take place. Jesus gives you eternal life the moment you put your faith in him. Our prayer is always that 100% of the people that come and are with us in our services, 100% of the people would have a heart that's open to Jesus Christ. And we're going to pray that prayer together. So would you take a moment, please, to close your eyes and open your heart with me? 
I'm going to lead in a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. It's a declaration. And I'm going to ask you to pray with all the people around you, knowing that not just the words from your head, but the intention from your heart will begin a miracle of eternal life inside of you. Here's our prayer. Please pray it with all the people around you and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I open my heart and my soul and my life to Jesus Christ. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I repent of my sins and I leave them behind. And I receive your grace, your love, your mercy. Now fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow Jesus every day of my life. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, amen. That's a good prayer, guys, amen. I'm going to invite all of us to stand, and I'm going to ask our prayer team to come immediately to the altar because we want to offer prayer for all the needs that are here. Whatever needs you brought into this room, we want to pray with you and for you before you go. We believe that God knows our lives intimately. He knows what you're facing this next week. He knows the report you've got from the doctor. And whatever your need is, we want to pray over you in Jesus' name. And we want to let the gifts of the Holy Spirit touch our lives and bring healing and wholeness. That's why our prayer team is here. While people are receiving prayer, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are coming into people's lives. If you'd like to receive communion today, there's a communion station on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side. You don't have to be a member of this church. Just a, someone that loves Jesus, follows Jesus. All we ask is when you come to the table of the Lord, you be thinking about Jesus. Remember me. That's what he says. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember that Jesus died on the cross to take away all your sin and all your shame. That's good news. Remember that he went into the tomb, but he didn't stay there. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And as you receive communion, you celebrate his presence, his power, his life in you. So we praise God remember that. So the worship team is going to lead us. I'm going to pray one prayer of blessing over you. After that blessing, there's no other benediction. Come for prayer. Come for communion. Let God do a work in your life. If you've been a guest here today, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. And we'd love you to stop by, if you've never done it, our VIP room over on your left-hand side. We'd like to give you some gifts. We'd like to meet you in the VIP room. I want to pray this blessing and then the worship team will lead us. As I pray this blessing, I'm going to open my hands towards heaven. And I'd encourage you to receive this blessing by closing your eyes so no one's embarrassed, but opening your hands towards heaven. The Bible says this is a way of prayer. And Lord, as we reach out to you, we know that you are reaching back to us. Here are your sons, and here are your daughters. You love them. Now pour your Holy Spirit upon them. Strengthen their souls. Renew and revive their love. Provide every need that they have, God. 
I pray that the God of hope will fill you with joy. The joy that comes and the peace, the contentment that comes as you trust in God's way of living, not your own, as you trust in God. And I promise that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I bless you in Jesus' mighty, matchless, and strong name. And in Jesus' name, you are very, very blessed. And all of God's people say amen. Let's give the Lord just a praise, a thanksgiving, an ovation. Come forward, please, for prayer. Come forward for communion and the blessing of the Lord be with you.